Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. This week's episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I spoke with Nick Barone. Nick's a long-term resident in South Korea, but originally hails from New York State. We talked about Nick's garbage art project. Yes, that's right, garbage art. He makes art out of garbage. You'd be amazed what you can do with it. We talked about how it came about and what his plans for the future are with it. We also delve into the work of some other global environmental projects that he's been involved with. There's also the perils of social media, the Korean hashtag, hashtag selfie, Mark Lanigan and a fantastic Korean three-piece rock band. All that and a bit more music talk in his top five at the end of the pod. So without further ado, Nick Barone. So joining us today on Can't Find My Way Home is Nick Barone. Nick, thanks for joining us. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. How are things with you today? All good? Not, yeah, not too bad. Enjoying the uh, winter weather and just waiting for spring. Yeah. Here, here in Germany, where it's very calm today, no rain, no wind, but apparently, the what's today? Saturday, so... Between Sunday and Monday, we're expecting some kind of big storm to arrive. But as I was saying to my mother last night, Scottish is you get used to kind of wind and rain. It's a kind of normal part of everyday life. So, yeah, that's what um, I keep up with the weather back home. And uh, we just got hit in central New York with look like about a foot and a half, foot and a half over over uh, Friday night there there Friday night. So um, yeah, you go to sleep, everything's good. You wake up the next day and you got a foot, two feet of snow on top of your car. I miss it at times, but just here, you know, the weather here, windy and cold. Windy and windy. cold, man, yeah. We have no snow really this year at all, nothing. No, same here, strangely enough, but never say never, eh? Yeah, still got uh, February to go. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the weather, although I'm sure it could, it could, be arranged, it could easily be arranged. Nick, as I was saying, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah. Let's just, let's just get it right off the bat. You know, you, could you tell us about yourself and how your expat journey started? All right. Well, I grew up, as I just said a second ago, um, Central New York, Rome, New York, and I was an art slash music major in high school. And I always wanted to go south because I, I felt like that's where music came from. So I went down to school at University of Memphis you know, blues and, and country and rock and, and even for the, the, the new generation of rap in the early 2000s. And I just got kind of disheveled after uh, university. I bounced around a lot. Um, I had a little tragedy in my family. And so I was kind of a nomad starting, you know, a year after university. And so at about 19 years old, I'm in a car with, you know, clothes and a guitar and made my way through university again. And uh, after graduating, I was working in uh, community organizing, so politics and those types of things. And I saw a big disconnect between the people I was trying to help in my life. Um, I needed help as well. 
um, you know, we'd go into poverty stricken areas and help them with different public, you know, uh, you know, public issues. And I had the same thing happening in my house from the low pay. Um, and I just got tired of it. It was a humid November night. I was drinking, I believe, Jack Daniels, and I applied on monster.com for a job to teach in South Korea. I got a call maybe a week later at about three in the morning. And uh, the guy said, this is Max from South Korea. And I was like, who? <laughs> <You're> like, <"What?" laughs> and uh, yeah, so then uh, I sold all my stuff. Uh, I visited back home for Christmas. And on December 27th, 2006, I ended up uh, in Incheon Airport. And my journey began. So you're going into your 14th year? Yep, 14. I mean, I went, uh, you know, I always keep good timelines but i went back for uh, fall and uh fall of 08 uh, until spring of 09 and then i went back home one more time for about a year and a half uh each time you know working traveling seeing people um and then i came back and i, ha I haven't left since uh 2012 i came back again so i've been straight since then and i mean now things are slightly different for you in a more personal front yeah you have more <laughs> more roots in the country now yeah yeah we got uh i've got a son uh leo he's just turned 4 and my daughter annie she'll turn 1 uh next month and you know married and and that and uh finally landed that uh lifetime dream university job ha 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 um, and um yeah, so much different, you know, and that's kind of what, you know, we'll get to it in a little bit, but that's sort of where it kind of got me to with, with the art stuff of just having a different perspective of being here and uh, maybe seeing things in just like a different light versus the, the drunken, hazy days of, of youth, you know, um, as I got a little bit older and, and had more people uh, that I was responsible for, I kind of saw the world in a little different way, I suppose. But yeah, so now uh, this is this is it. That's a nice segue into uh, one of the, the projects that I've seen you've been working on uh, through your work online and through Instagram and Facebook and one thing and another. But it's this uh, garbage garbage art project yeah. that you're working on. Could you you know give us a little insight into where it all started and what what it means to us yeah um well i mean the name speaks for itself uh it's a bit of i i, I thought it was humor um just because every time i would show my buddies like oh it's garbage um and it, it started i i wrote out something not too long ago an artist statement i'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination but um it started out i guess probably when i was a kid we had a barn my dad used to have an antique shop when I was a kid, and there'd always be all these different broken pieces of things, you know? Um, and for some reason, I'd always attach, I, I like the visuals of lines and shapes. Um, I would take apart all the electronics just to look at all the circuitry. I don't know why or where that came from. So, you know, it just kept going and going and going. And then and um, I was walking with my son one day, and, you know, we walked slow. Um, of course, because he was about three years old, two years old. And I uh, started looking down and I saw different scraps and pieces of different bits of garbage, right? And I think the one that was sort of the, the, the one that stuck out the most was, you, you might be familiar and, and listeners or viewers may not be, but is the wrapping of the uh, traditional pear, right? Yeah. Um, 
as I say, I saw it laying there, it kind of looked like a flower to me, right? Um, yeah. So I took a picture of took a picture of it and, and, and came home and um, and just started screwing around on Photoshop and made a design behind it and sent it off to somebody, a couple people, and said, oh, look what I did. And they go, oh, that's really, really nice. And so, yeah, so then I just started going around and, you know, looking for garbage in my neighborhood. Um, you, you've, you know, you lived in Itaewon. I was just there not too long ago. And um, just the amount of, of trash on the streets here really kind of got to me. You know, as I'm walking with my son, I always am like, this is so dirty and there's all this garbage. So I wanted to have more of a positive spin on it, you know, and maybe something that one, somebody would look at and interpret in their own way, but then also maybe bring a little recognition to, to the crisis that we have here. Um, you know, I live on the outskirts to be around Sangbong, right? Um, it's where Seoul meets Gyeonggi-do. And, yeah. you know, people, I would watch people on the street behind me come at one, two in the morning and, and slow down and throw garbage out of their car and drive away. Um, you know, garbage removal is pretty expensive in Seoul. And so, you know, it became a dumping ground of garbage um, amongst all these beautiful fields and, you know, the dragonflies flying in the summertime. And I just, I just there's so much irony and so much, I, I don't know, it was very, really interesting that here we have this beautiful landscape and we have hills and grass and trees and wildlife and that it's littered with garbage everywhere. And so, like I said, I would go through and and um, just start photographing it, going home, throw it into Photoshop, make designs behind it. And um, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of where it went. It was just sort of, I don't know, in my own way, kind of seeing something interesting about that garbage, repurposing it, and then hopefully maybe bringing a little light to the situation um, that we see not just here, but, you know, worldwide um, of littering and, and, you know, garbage disposal. Yeah. In the kind of interest of uh, of balance and fairness, at least in my experience in living in South Korea, they do quite. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis placed on recycling and you know the whole process process of garbage removal and whatnot. That's one thing. But on the other side of that, you have, and they're very diligent in in doing so. You know, you have bags for this and a bag for that. You know, and all color coded and whatnot. But that doesn't. I exactly agree with you. It doesn't really kind of uh, stop people throwing crap away. They're the, the everyday no, objects that they don't need. It's, oh, well, this doesn't go in this bag, so I'm just going to throw it here. Right, right. I mean, I think and one of the things, and, you know, maybe we'll get to it or, or we just get to it now of the sense, one of the things I really want to do in the next year is, is try to make some sort of documentary of the, the recycling uh, collectors that we see in Korea. I've always been amazed with these old folks that are carrying around these giant carts of recycling. Could you um, maybe, actually, this is a good point, actually. Maybe we could explain a little more about that and the kind of, uh, like, the social story behind that. Right, right. Well, I mean, when I came, it was it was quite, I mean, the first time I saw it, it reminded me, I think it was the dark crystal or the labyrinth. There was creatures that would carry around stuff on their back. Oh, I can't remember the name of them. It was one of the two, either the dark crystal or uh, the labyrinth. But and you, you've got these these folks that are probably, I mean, you, you could agree or disagree. I would say in their 70s, probably. Yeah, um, easily. Some of them, um, they carry around these two wheeled, they look like a rickshaw. Um, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's a, bit, uh, a wheelbarrow, you know, and, mm. and so they're just going around and they're collecting um, all types of recycling, um, you know, uh, 
cardboard and plastics and metals um, all day, you know, uh, five in the morning, you'll see them out until eight o'clock at night for, I think I've asked a few folks, maybe, maybe Ochon and five, five dollars a day. Right. Um, and what I started to see was, is I think people rely on them too much. Um, even the government maybe to these people are, are, are responsible for the recycling collection. Right. And so you can easily throw a cup or throw a cardboard box down and somebody will snatch it up. Um, that's the one thing here that I think is positive. The thing that I worry about is who's going to do that in 10 years. Uh, you've got 70, 70% of the nation going to university. I don't see them wheeling around carts to pick up recycling. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really hard, it's hard enough. It's hard enough to get people to fill the, the more so manual jobs, you know, your plumbers right. and joiners and, you know, bricklayers or, you know, the things yeah, in right. society, society work as well, but there the doesn't well, I mean, seem to be the, the great, uh, you know, the young people of South Korea are not so enthusiastic about following these professions, I think. No, I mean, and there's the stigma and there's the social, uh, the social side of it, right, as well. You know, I mean, it's not, I mean, there's so many different layers and I, I don't blame them for, for the micro, the, the microscope that everybody's under. Um, but yeah, so it's just really, really interesting um, to me is that you had these group of people that would be going around with these carts. Um, I'd never seen it um, in my, you know, the, the, in America, we just don't have that, you know, I mean, you, you've got can and bottle recycling, but there's not really people that go around and are doing it for a livelihood. And so, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'd really like to sit down and maybe try to talk to a couple of them um, just to get their background story and, and add, you know, some music and some, some, you know, just everything put together into maybe some sort of documentary. So that's, kind of where I'm going, I think maybe this year, if I can find somebody, I, I don't know how open anybody will be to interview with some crazy guy like me going, Hey, talk to me about your garbage. <laughs> but, you know, so what do you but, want um, to know? <laughs> I can tell you everything. Um, so yeah, so it kind of got on my mind. And like I said, so I started doing that and just more with the process of, of you know, I started, uh, um, I started doing uh, projection art. So I, I would go out and project the images. And then um, I had a photographer come in and, and we had some models and it was more like a fashion shoot, right? And I did that last year. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. At my job, we had a projector and it just, I was like, hey, stand in front of that. And I was just projecting the garbage onto them. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then um, now recently what I've been doing is, is doing the no, no smoking and the no littering signs all over. Uh, all over Seoul lately, just going out and taping them up, and uh, I haven't haven't gotten much much from that. The signage here is so immense, right? That I think it gets lost in the background. But you know, I kind of enjoy the photography that comes along with that as well. As they say, every day is a new day in this kind of field as well. You never know what you're going to find or come across or. Right. Well, the people yeah, I mean, behind. right. I just had a guy write me the other day. He's down in Daegu and he does repurposing of garbage. And he said, oh, I'm so glad I found you. You know, let's uh, try to get some sort of partnership going. I said, OK. So, you know, in talks with him as well. Yeah. I mean, and then all the environmental people that I've talked to, I've worked with a couple of different groups, you know, doing different logos and things like that. Um, one was uh, uh, clean something for nothing. That's a pretty decent group. And then uh, plastic 
pollution solutions. They're down in Australia and he does more education and he, he goes and does conferences and talks to kids and goes to high schools and middle schools and elementary schools. And, and so it's kind of, I didn't really get into it for the environmental side in the beginning. I was just looking for things that I thought were interesting and I wanted to do more visual. Um, but then as I started getting into it, I was like, you know, it's hard because I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be an environmental activist by any means. Um, I, I don't, you know, the, the, the reduction of, of, of use, you know, here, I mean, uh, single use plastic and all those things. Like I'm, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. So I don't want to go on the environmental side, but I'm not an artist. So when I get pinned up against artists, you know, um, you know, what's the statement and what's the concept, you know, is this the con, the contrast isn't right. And the da, da, da. And so you get kind of stuck in between the two where I'm okay. not an artist, yeah. you know, I mean, well, maybe, maybe, maybe let's not say in the traditional sense or the more, uh, you know, those have been maybe through more formal training or education or, or this kind of thing, you know, but it's a bit like doing this. It's a bit like doing pod, podcasting. You don't need to be a professional broadcaster nowadays to say what you want to say or right. to share your views and opinions and stories like we're doing now than you know to the bbc or nbc or whoever it may be that's true that's true and i feel like perhaps that's what everybody needs a little bit is is that less i wouldn't say educated but uh there's a difference between what you're trying to do here and maybe a more formal broadcaster and i think people sort of you know Kind of these days you see people wanting a little bit more, I wouldn't say realness, but perhaps just a little bit more authentic, less scripted. And so, you know, maybe that that's the way I've looked at art. I've never felt like you needed to be, you know, schooled in it. Although the ones who are schooled in it would completely disagree. And you got that with music. I got that with music. You know, when you run into somebody who's got a, you know, I don't know if there's such thing. I guess you could get a master's in the guitar. Um, but I mean, you've probably come across the two in music where, I mean, I've played with tons of musicians, um, and we just picked up guitars at 14 years old and started hacking at them. You um, just and, then you noise, in, and that's it. right? That's... Yeah. And then, you know, I just watched an interview with Johnny Rotten and he said, that's what they were trying to do was just dismantle the idea of formal, you know, uh, classically trained musicians. But then if you run into somebody who is classically trained, I can see where there's a bit of you know, you've got to have some pride. I mean, you spend a lot of time studying it and you know about it. And so there's always that, uh, the clashing between the two sides of, do you have to be classically trained or can you just do it for yourself? Yeah. There's always, as long as there's room for both, I think. Yeah. I mean, you probably, as you've gotten older, I mean, I did with music and I've talked to other musicians that we should have done more when we were younger, but we were like, ah, I'm going to make my own songs. Whereas the guys that I knew that were copying other people's songs and practicing now are, you know, they, they work in lounges and teach music. So, I mean, there is something there. Um, I always thought of somebody who played just, you know, especially when we were teenagers, when they were just picking up and playing somebody else's song. I was like, that's nice. And a lot of times we didn't because we didn't want to try to learn how to play it, right? You, you, you try to hash it out. Over fun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Just so keep like, playing the same riff over and over, but it's awesome, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so like with the art thing, like I said, um, but then I've had encouragement. Um, you know, I sold a couple pieces and then um, 
living room in uh, Um okay. I got in yeah. contact with, with, with them and they're like, yeah, you can have the whole place. And they put me up for probably almost two months, a month, over a month exhibition. I only went once, <laughs> but uh, on the first night. And well, I'm, I'm not is, a net. This is more than you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I stood in the corner. Um, and uh, <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, that was kind of encouraging to at least know like, hey, somebody's paying attention and it's not just me screwing around. And yeah, so it's, it's hard because as I said, um, it's hard to get that feedback. You get really demoralized when, um, you know, you put up something that you think is good and, you know, you put it up on Instagram, you get three likes and you go, Hmm, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and so that's that, that constant battle. I feel like it's kind of a roller coaster ride of, you know, I get super energized and then it dies off and then something else happens. I get energy again and it dies off. And, um, but you just, I mean, you just keep going, I guess. Right. Like with everything you just, you just do it because you want to do it. Uh, some people, I don't know what I'm looking for out of it. You know, and I think that's probably the best is that if you're not looking for anything out of it, then you just do it because you're wanting to do it versus, you know, the fame or fortune or recognition. Exactly. Yeah. Because this is a, this is a, a thing when I was uh, planning about what what am I going to do a podcast about or you know so I joined a few groups on Facebook and read it and one thing and another and a lot of the stuff I read were similar questions people with the same idea they say how do I get started and there's lots of stuff online for different budgets and all that but then behind all of that the most common question is how can I monetize my podcast yeah right 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 <laughs> you know, it's just it's just all about that and I'm well you know fine. I mean, and it's, yeah, I mean, if there is a bit, it just depends how much you're putting into it and then what you want to get out of it. And I, I still, you know, I mean, I don't pride myself on age, but I still think there comes a certain part where there's that turn of like, okay, I'm going to start to focus on some stuff that I like to do versus, and you don't, I mean, I do have that urgency as you start getting older, like I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to, but also I think there's a little bit more of a calmness that comes over you because you know, in my, 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 uh, area, I mean, I've, I've failed more than enough times where I'm okay. I'm not looking to, you know, make the next great album. I'm not looking to write the next great book or, or make a piece of art that I'm going to sell for a million dollars. It's more like just kind of the process is therapeutic and even just like you said, some connections or even doing like this podcast. I mean, that that's in itself, kind of the uh, success that you, you start to, I guess, think is important as you get a little bit older. Maybe not. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's just yeah. the case. I think it's a natural process, but definitely it's um, any kind of platform to share ideas or what people are doing artistically or whether that be musically or are in the traditional sense or comedy or whatever it is, writing, any of that right. stuff is worth, is worth sharing because we have a common interest in it. Correct. Right, right, right. And I'm sure there's plenty of stuff out there on Netflix and one thing and Amazon or whatever you want to watch on or just TV in general for people who are not interested in it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that I've encountered is, you know, especially traveling and things like that. I, I try to see and associate with people that do a lot of different stuff. And it's it's it makes me a little bit sad when I know of people who have some sort of talent or, or some sort of gift and they've kind of given up on it and then like you said you know eight hours of netflix um and that's the thing about living here i i've always said like i've just never felt comfort 
It's, and I can't sit on the couch at the end of the day and just watch TV because it's it's just never uh, just never home in a way. And so I'm like, okay, I got to get on something. What am I going to do um, to get me to a place of comfort? And now I just turned 40 and I still haven't found it. <laughs> so I feel guilty. Well, I just I, I just turned 50, Nick, and I can well, pretty much yeah, see it. You're, so. <laughs> we're both just yeah 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 it's it's like i said and so i think that's a constant push as well of you know okay you know i'm not going to sit down and watch television what am i going to create or, or put together and you know that's that's where that leads this is as good a point as any take a short break and we'll be back uh, just after this Welcome back. Can't find my way home. We're speaking with Nick. And Nick, we're talking about your garbage art project at the moment. Before the break there, we were just talking about you had an exhibition for a couple of months, I believe. Yeah. And the the center of Seoul, really, the kind of foreigner district, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and how it transpired and, you know... I mean, it was just that social media connection, you know, um, and so somebody was looking for artwork to hang at a restaurant and, and I put in my my two bits there and I was, you know, rejected, but um, they, they had told me to check out, you know, I was looking for places because exhibitions are hard to come by in Korea. Um, you know, you probably knew it was playing music, pay to play. And so the living room, I, I don't know, because I, I don't go out and I, I contacted them and they said, yeah, sure. So um, I went and checked it out and it's in a basement. Um, it reminded me of my house growing up, you know, this dark, dingy drinking hole. And it was perfect. Um, it's just it's so, just right on that four way intersection as you come into Heibangcho. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, where they, the, 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 right. the grocery store used to be there. And uh, what was that? Was door? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and I hadn't been there in four, five, six, seven years. And I walked down that road, and there's people drinking wine out on the street in tuxedos. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> um, gentrification. And, um, but yeah, so it was, it was interesting because when I started doing the artwork, um, I've, I've got a great friend. We grew up together, and he's an artist, he, he's an engineer, he's all sorts of things. Um, and I told him, I said, I wanted to start this project as something that I could touch. I didn't want to make any digital art because I just get tired of making something that's produced and saw on a phone. I wanted to actually make, you know, not a sculpture, but actually make something with my hands. Right. And then, of course, I, I ended up just making digital art. But it was nice to actually then go there and see and put the artwork up and actually see it displayed because I'd never printed it. You know, I'm just looking at it on my phone or on my computer when I was making it. And so it's a lot different from a tiny screen to an actual, you know, a large size size piece. Um, And I actually put up like, you know, I had a little projection in the background um, on the side there. And so that was showing images. And as we were talking in the break, you know, I, I, I get pretty deep and I always think full circle. And so I actually have my, my, my dream exhibition already in my head and, and laid out, but I contacted them and I said, listen, I'm gonna make a playlist. And so I found 
Pete Seeger's got a song called Garbage. Uh, uh, like I said, the Pixies, uh, Charles Manson. Um, I'm just, even my son found this song called Sam the Garbage Man. Um, <laughs> and so I piled like this 20 song list. And of course I, I, I picked the ones that I thought would actually work really well in a social atmosphere. And I was extremely proud of it. I listened to it um, the other day, actually. And I, I sent it over to them at the living room and they said, well, we kind of have our own DJ. Um, <laughs> so you're still <laughs> someone else's thunder. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I didn't know, and I, I didn't take any offense to him because, you know, I was just like, well, if you guys need some music, here it is. Um, oh. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the, but you, you, you probably have experienced in different artistic uh, music journeys of, I feel like there needs to be the correct setting and the correct, you know, atmosphere. And in this case, the, the art with the music, I feel like you're creating a whole piece. And so, I feel like if I could do it on my own, it would end up kind of being, it would make more sense. You see what I'm saying? If you had the garbage music and you had the garbage art and the, the, it would just make more sense to perhaps, you know, someone viewing it um, instead of it being, you know, nineties pop music playing over top of garbage art didn't really make much sense. But again, I mean, I think, I thank those guys a ton. Um, if I ever can come up with anything else, I would definitely go and, 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 um, talk to them again to see if I could get something shown yeah. there. Any plans for maybe some original music to go along with it? You know, either yourself or some, well, some friends from home or in, in Korea? Well, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's a good point. I actually, maybe a month ago, I was sitting, laying in bed, and I just got a, an acoustic guitar finally um, that works. My son broke the six string. I have no, no bottom string. But I was just playing kind of, I don't even know how to compare it. Just, just sounds, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, something that was but like kind of a melodic kind of, I don't even know what you call it, maybe a folky type of I don't know, documentary sound. And so I actually started to put some stuff together and then record it. Uh, on my phone, um, at least just to revisit it at some point. So that I've started making videos um, and I never put them out, but I made a bunch of videos, music videos uh, of different songs that I found um, when I was doing the projection art. Um, and then I was making a couple other videos because I love making, you know, visual type of stuff. So that's still in the realm of the, the one thing I will say that I've noticed, especially on Instagram is, is the viewership of videos is very, very low. It seems to me people are more into pictures. Um, if I upload a video, it gets 10 views. Um, and I guess I can put it on. It's, it's you know, on. 30 seconds is too long for the time. I know. And that's attention crazy. span. Yeah. I mean, I, I was watching something and, and somebody was talking about their intro. Um, it was a podcaster, I believe, or somebody was creating content. And they said the average retention for an intro is five to 10 seconds. And so I was doing, you know, I was doing the writing, the, uh, I was, I, I came up with a series that was quite outrageous called socially awkward because I, I am. Um, and I, I stole a song that it was the first song we ever wrote fishing with Elmer when I was in this band in middle school. And uh, I just played the guitar to it. And then I, I sang over top of it and it was like 20 seconds long. And after I read that, I was like, I got to cut that down. Um, <laughs> it's too yeah. long right and i mean it's I'm almost like a, a void void death metal kind of track you know when they these guys they just do the speed metal for like 10 seconds and then that's it that's the track i mean i was talking to myself actually the other day 
Um, I was doing a, a live stream just because I was making my bricks. Sometimes I live stream when I'm making art or something uh, on one of those apps. And uh, I was talking about, you know, growing up, listening to the classic rock stations in central New York. First, they only cover the same songs, right? So they have, you know, they'd have uh, Let the Lead Out, and that would be an hour Led Zeppelin, and they'd play the exact same tracks over and over again. And back then, um, especially being a kid, you, you don't really have the, I didn't have the means to go out and buy a tape, you know? And so like, that's all you knew. You knew that Led Zeppelin played Stairway to Heaven. And one of the things that was surprising, I remember when I came to Korea and torrents were quite popular and I downloaded one of the Pink Floyd albums and it has the the two takes of uh, Shine On Crazy Diamond and it's 13 mm -hmm. minutes long. Yeah. And I, I never knew that. And I, But if you listen to it on the radio, they play the three minute version. <laughs> and I, I, I wish I'd known back then that they had a 13 minute version, but again, it's that attention span. So now two minutes and 30 seconds is way too long and 30 seconds is too long. And eventually it'll just be one second tones. Yeah. Yeah. When you start getting into these, um, the, the real versions of songs is about 13 minutes and all that. that, that in itself is a whole piece. You just have to listen to from beginning to end. Okay. Pink Floyd's a bit of an exception, maybe in the right. their whole concept ideas. And it's a, you know, Correct, the, right. The albums are meant to be listened from start to beginning, or however you want to listen to it, I guess is fine too. But uh, I think in the business they called these toilet songs, right, or the bathroom break songs, or there was some kind of particular name for it. They would put well, these on, you know, so it would be more than seven minutes long if the the presenter had to go and kind of, uh, you know, spend a penny and whatnot. It was a, right, right, right. always a handy track to have nearby, you know. But yeah, so going back to the garbage art thing of, of the videos and the music and stuff, um, I just, that's why I wanted to do something more live and not rely on, and, and you know, being especially being an expat, like my world is pretty much within my phone, um, whether it's YouTube, communications, I live pretty much vicariously through my phone. I'm not on it that much, but that's how I get my content and that's how I get my communication. So this whole project was meant to actually go out, take the garbage, I've got it around my house, and then, you know, make these maybe sculptures or these pieces. And but then I'm I'm saying to myself, I go, Well, where where am I gonna present them? Um, you know, I, I can make a piece and then just put it somewhere in the city. And so it's that constant battle, right? Of, of, I would love to do more videos and, and probably even put some music down, but then where's my platform? I could, like I said, I could put it on YouTube and get 10 views. I guess that's fine. Um, but I, I want something better to be able to, to show. Um, and that's the one side that I've just never been really good at. I guess maybe that's the marketing end or the, I don't know. It's just, it's back in the old days you wanted to play music we'd find a place that we could play and we'd play and people would come um now i don't even know how you can navigate through all of the social media for somebody to see what you're doing because there's so much content out there but yeah so it's been kind of interesting to try to see where where the where the the channels are and, and who's paying attention and what what kind of people are paying attention to what i'm trying to do just on a side note here, Nick, I just, just as you were describing uh, the situation there, uh, social media-wise, anyway, mm. using the hashtags, yeah? Yeah. Or for your Instagram, I'm guessing, something like that. Right. Yeah. Does it, any discernible difference between Korean hashtags and 
them in English or are you you're doing them in both, yeah? Yeah, I do them in both. The, it's interesting because I still don't know, and I, I, it's probably my own fault for not doing research, but the thing that I noticed is it's not so much the hashtags as it's the time of upload. Um, you know what I'm saying? So if I've got to think if I'm going to upload something and I want people in, let's say, America or the Western side of the world to see it, I can't upload it at 5 p.m. in Korean time because everybody's fast asleep. Same thing on the weekends, you know, nobody's checking. So I'm, I try to find who I'm trying to find, which is hard because there's not probably many people searching for garbage hashtags. Right? Like nobody's like, oh, let me look at some garbage tonight. Um, and so on the Korean side, that's tricky too, um, because everything, it's not just Korea, but the social media side is like selfies and food and travel. And there is art, but you upload something and a thousand other people upload a picture and it's just so buried. And so I've noticed like a difference in time. So if I, I try to catch people before they're on their way to work, lunchtime, and then on their train ride home, it's in my thinking, because I yeah, feel all, like all of these kind of peak, peak periods, if you like, or when the periods. people have their 10 or 15 minutes to get from one place to the other, or maybe it's longer, right. maybe it's an hour, the, the commute home. And right. that sort of thing. It's that, yeah. So yeah, I mean, with the Korean one, and like I said, it's hard because you're, you're trying to present something and I can't explain what it is. So all they're doing is seeing it. And so they don't really know even what they're seeing. I've had people come to me and go, oh, you paint? No, oh, it's not painting. It's a picture. I, it's a photograph. Oh, really? What is it? And then I explain to them that it's a peach wrapper or a pear, you know, a piece of styrofoam or it's, you know, old junky, you know, uh, electronic bit. I mean, that's what's kind of hard with mine is, and I guess it's, you know, when you're writing your thesis, you know, the, the same advice I got, if you can't explain if you can't explain your idea within two sentences, you know, it's probably not a good idea. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, but like, I think that's the, that's, I kind of enjoy that though. And I, you know, some of the biggest, some of the people who came to me the most are like older women, which is interesting to me. I, 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 so it's hard. I don't know really who I'm aiming at. Um, I know it's not the Korean hashtags that are popular, like selfie and that kind of thing, because, Again, people don't really know what they're looking at. And when they know it's garbage, people don't really like garbage. <laughs> and so I'm trying to make garbage visually beautiful or at least interesting to look at. So yeah, so it's with the hashtags and stuff, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, I have a decent core of people that I think come back and, and I've talked to. Um, I try to hit up the environmental groups on Facebook. But um, again, people don't really know what they're looking at, I think, a lot of the times maybe they just don't like it. I don't know which one of it it is. So again, it's, that's why I was trying to get away from the social media side and get more on the actual real life side. Yeah. Okay. You know, but then you, you have those barriers as well. So, you know, like you were saying before with the podcast, it's all kind of a learning, huge learning curve. And, you know, there's things I wish I'd done a little bit better, but I feel like I've taken advantage of situations pretty well. I can hear someone in the background there. That's that's when a, that's when a four-year-old four wakes up at 9.53 p.m. Uh, okay, so just before we wrap things up with Nick, Nick, can you tell us, can yep. you give us an idea of where we can find you? Yeah, so uh, Instagram, um, you can just type in Garbage Art Soul. 
um, S-E-O-U-L, Soul, Garbage Art Soul. Same thing on Facebook. So I'm on both of them. I'm more than open to always work with people. I was saying before the interview, uh, before we started, um, you know, I had somebody reach out and um, I'm always getting talking to different people from fashion to I, you know, uh, I did some logos for some people. Yeah. So, I mean, if anybody wants to see what I do or if anybody's interested in, in any kind of designs, you know, they can find me on either Facebook or Instagram. It's fine. Garbage Art Soul. Excellent. Hopefully we can help share the word. Yeah. So just to close the show, something I like to do with the guests is a top five. Here we can kind of uh, some kind of somewhat random questions, but they're more musically, musically related. So I'll kick things off with uh, question number one. The best band we've not heard of. All right. So I, I, I wanted to kind of hit with the expat theme of a journey and so i picked three really quick and for different reasons so we we talked before and i heard on another one of your podcasts about the desert sessions and josh holmes so i'm gonna go with mark lanigan um and he's of the screaming trees fame and the reason why josh holmes was brought up is because he actually uh, auditioned to be on with the screaming trees and he uh, elected to go on his own and do Queen of the Stone Age. And we'll get back to that in a second. Mark Lanigan also, um, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? The uh, Nirvana cover that they did of um, uh, on their Unplugged. Uh, actually, they first recorded with Mark Lanigan. So Kurt Cobain and Mark Lanigan were going to make an album together. And then Queen of the Stone Age, Mark Lanigan sings for. So he's got uh, This Lullaby and Into the Fade. Um, and he does a lot of folks folksy type stuff. I, I guarantee you know him if you hear his voice. So I'll go with Mark Lanigan for my teenage days. My Memphis days, I'm just going to pick a documentary um, about blues. Uh, it was Fat Possum Records. Um, you See Me Laughing, uh, The Last of the Hill Country Bluesmen. It was filmed about 2002. And Fat Possum Records, the two guys that own it, went through Mississippi and Arkansas um, interviewing all of these underground blues musicians, these old guys that were still in existence playing these holes. And they're actually the guys that discovered R.L. Burnside. That's why he got famous there um, in yeah, the late right. mid-2000s. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And because of that documentary. So what they did is they brought all these guys in signed into record contracts and uh, made them pretty good money. But the, the documentary is amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, you know, and so that's one of the reasons why I went south was because that's where music came from. Junior can Kimbrough. we find, excuse me, can we find that documentary? Is it on YouTube or? Yeah, I just watched, yeah, it's right on YouTube. Amazing. Yeah, great, uh, you know, it's, it's great visuals, great interviews. They're talking with these guys, you know, guys that, and it's just amazing stories, amazing stories of these guys. and unfortunately i think most of them all passed away and that's why they wanted to do this documentary because they were saying they were the last of course of the original blues players guys living in squalor and just making yeah. music from heart so that's a really really good one and that's why i put in memphis and then the last one would be um i just went out to Hongdae not too long ago and there's a great band um called byol bora b-y-e-o-l B-O-R-A, a uh, bunch of young kids. It's a three-piece. Um, the drummer sings and the bass player sings a little bit. It's melodic. Uh, the only thing I can think is it's like acid rock meets Dinosaur Jr. They have these long songs with a lot of different progressions. And the energy was amazing. Um, the singing was that kind of raspy Korean style. And the drummer, I mean, he I, I can't believe he doesn't go through three or four snare drums every, every set. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, he was just killing it back there. Um, and the guitarist is amazing. Um, and I saw him playing this tiny, tiny little club in Hongdae, you know, in front of 30, 40 people. But they're on Instagram and um, worth a check. It's just really good. It's nice to see someone making some actual, you know, pretty good music in 2020 in, in Seoul. It's kind of died off. So yeah, Bjol, Bora. So those would be my three. Fantastic. We'll add these to the show notes. Uh, Bjol Bora, I, 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 yeah, I don't know that name at all, but from the, the, the excellent description you give us there, you should be an A&R, I think, Nick, actually. With this kind of, <laughs> yeah, that idea, you know? But yeah, you're right. When you see something you you haven't seen or felt or heard for quite some time, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, it sticks with you. It's a great thing. Yep. Uh, next question. So maybe a guilty pleasure, a band or an artist that you shouldn't like, but you do. Well, I don't know if I shouldn't, but I guess I do. I'll try to think of something that's more recent lately. I should go with Cindy Lauper. Uh, I've been playing that a lot for some reason that, you know, I don't know if I shouldn't. I, I think she, for me, she exemplified everything that was great about pop music as a kid and seeing her on TV. She's still winning Grammys too. She plays blues music now. So, I mean, um, you know, there's nothing that won't bring a tear to your eye like here in uh, True Colors, you know. <laughs> you just read my mind again because I was going to say, yeah, True Colors is a great pop song, I think. Oh, yeah, she's got, yeah, she's got some really, really good ones. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad call. Yeah, it's a guilty uh, pleasure with a, with a small G then, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's acceptable. You're all right. So what about your go-to karaoke tune or the the, the Korean nori bang? You know, if you've been dragged along, you know? Well, the one that I used to do, and I haven't been in years, was there was a Pearl Jam song off of Versus, maybe Animal. Yep, Animal off of oh, verses that's the um, second album yeah second album yeah animal the, the one yeah so that one always i felt like i could i could hit the notes of and it was always kind of a shocker because you know you go in and they went on, i would go especially like this older guy and so you do these like you know the song evergreen i don't know uh, if you ever heard that one um but uh, yes. uh, you know <laughs> it's, it's kind of the polar opposite of animal yeah exactly so it was always kind of <laughs> to be like here here's my song um that i want to pick and at times uh there's the song by han desu uh, uh Juso, um because he sings terrible in that song and that's always a good one to pull out so i would say those two animal pearl jam and muljum Juso, um han desu good call and maybe the last one then we can oh yeah the last one uh an ultimate rock trio since you're if it's not going to be Bjelbora, who would it be you can be you uh, can be in the band or not it's uh it's your call oh does it have to be an existing band or i make it up myself the latter sounds much more fun all right so you know you'd have to oh man it's a tough one i'd have to put um i'd have to put dan carey on drums i would have to put you have to put Paige on guitar. I would put Les Claypool on bass and singing Tom York. All right. That's uh, an eclectic lineup, but somewhat rather good, I would say. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to yeah, get some interesting, interesting time signature changes there anyway. Let's put it that way. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's kind of hard. I mean, you know, I, I spoke to you a little bit about, you know, my uh, my newfound love for for the rolling stones um and what's interesting to me is really you know besides mick jagger you know 
they're not really recognized as having these ultra musicians, right? And so it's hard to, to pick the best when it doesn't always take the best, you know, it's more of a team effort, you know, uh, whereas like, I guess if you had to pick one, I've always said, if I had to pick one band to listen to forever, it'd probably be Radiohead or the Stones because they can do hard and slow and soft and, and change styles. But yeah, those are, that would probably be what I would have. And then I have one for you. episode three of can't find my way home big thanks to nick for taking the time out of his day to join me i really recommend checking out nick's work garbage art soul you'll find all of the links in the description on our anchor fm page speaking of which anchor.fm you can find us under all one word can't find my way home you can also find us on instagram at can't.findmywayhome and also a lot of stuff's getting posted through facebook where you can find us at expat music pod all one word you can also search simply for can't find my way home this episode we had to leave on a bit of a cliffhanger because i believe it's a couple of weeks since we did the recording but i think we had some kind of internet disruption so what we did was we we spoke for another 30 minutes or so about music and all of that great stuff we finished our top five and what i'm going to do is i'm going to release that as a bonus episode not sure when, but probably when we have a break between seasons or episodes. So stay posted for some of that in the very near future. New episodes are posted Sunday night, Monday, Monday morning, depending on your location. I try to get it out on a Sunday night here in Germany. It's ready for your Monday morning commute. I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Can't Find My Way Home. I'm really looking forward to it. Until then, this is Craig saying cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>